The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Hi, Louis Trapani here. This episode of Doctor Who Podshock will begin shortly, but first, this breaking news. Just as this episode was going into post-production, news came over Twitter that stunned and saddened myself and the whole Doctor Who community. Elizabeth Sladen has passed away at the age of 63. We were all shocked by this news. She never came across as ill at all. If anything, she came across as someone that was full of life and energy. If you've seen her, if you've been watching her in her series, the Doctor Who spin-off series, The Sarah Jane Adventures, you would see that she came across as someone much younger than her actual age. And if you've seen her in interviews and commentaries, you know that she was always enthusiastic about the series, and her energy would often rival those of her much younger co-stars in it. How can this be? How can someone that so personified youth and stanima die now? First thought that went through my head when I heard the news was, gee, it must be a car accident or something like that. Of Illness was the furthest thing from my mind. The truth is, unbeknownst to many, including myself, that she has been battling cancer for some time. She leaves behind her husband, Brian Miller, also an actor, as well as her daughter, Sadie, Russell T. Davies, who brought her back in Doctor Who and is the creator of her series, The Saturday and Adventures, spoke about her and her passing to BBC News. The whole, all of us who worked on Doctor Who and Sarah Jane are just reeling at the moment, so many of the cast members as well, but actually kind of thinking of the children. There's a lot of children who are going to need a little hug from mum and dad in the morning over breakfast when they get up and hear the news. It's just so sad. It, it, it comes as a, as a great shock, not least because uh, not many people knew she was suffering from cancer, did they? Were you aware that, that she was uh, she was? Uh, uh... Yes, we were. I don't talk about personal details too much, but we were aware of the situation. We were obviously hoping she would get better. This was terribly favoured about such things. She would murder me for talking on the radio about her. Actually, give me a good nudge in the ribs right now and tell me to shut up. But, um, she, you know, she, 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 she had the most wonderful family and, you know, just all our thoughts and love go with them. It was just a joy to know the woman and an honour to have worked with her. Seriously, I loved her. I think what people don't know about Liz is that, is that all the years she was off the screen, she did the most terrific job at defending Sarah Jane and never letting Sarah Jane's reputation be, you know, be, be besmirched by any sort of merchandise or stuff like that. And then when I was working on Doctor Who, I just, I simply thought that there was a great secret in the world, which was the talent of Liz Layton. I just wanted to put her back on screen because I knew with all my heart the secret that every Doctor Who fan knew, which is that it's a great actress. It wasn't just it wasn't just a cult thing. I didn't want to do it from the start to say there was, you know, who'd be an actor because you fall out of favour and times pass and things like that. And I knew, I knew there was a great, great woman and a great actor 
sitting there not working. And so we reached out to her, and she then turned out to be such good company and so cheeky and so so much fun as well. And, of course, utterly unchanged by time. You know, it was her look. She was such a beautiful woman. Um, and we found ourselves with a new friend. That was the greatest treat about it. We brought her in for one episode, and um, one episode of Doctor Who, thinking that would be good, that's a good story. And then I remember... As we shot that episode, sitting there thinking, well, I'm not letting her go. <laughs> this is going to carry on in some shape or form. And then Children's BBC came along and wanted the Sarah Jane Adventures. We had a glorious time. I mean, if I'm glad about anything in my career, I am so glad we did that, just so the whole new generation of children could fall in love with Sarah Jane Smith and with Elizabeth Slayton. I am I'm so happy that happened. In an age, you know, where people say, that was my doctor and she was my companion. She was a classic, classic Doctor Who companion. Great character created by the late Barry Letts, who also died recently, and also created by Terence Dix, the script editor. You know, when a character laughs, what is this now, 40 years or something, then something magic has happened. It's really hard to create fictional characters that last for that long. Most of them don't. And they did something astonishing back then. But here we are, you know, talking about the past and this wonderful woman, what a legacy that she's remembered like this. I just think it's, it's a glowing tribute to her. Doctor Who fans were first introduced to her in her role as Sarah Jane Smith, the Doctor's companion in the series starring with the third Doctor, John Pertwee, and continuing with the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker. She starred in Doctor Who's first spin-off, K-9 and Company, a pilot episode for a new series that was produced in the early 1980s, Unfortunately, that series never came to be, but the opportunity came again after Doctor Who was relaunched in the 21st century, and once again, she was starring in a new spin-off series, this time The Sarah Jane Adventures. And as I mentioned before, before that, she appeared in Doctor Who again, opposite David Tennant in School Reunion. He later guest-starred on her series as well as The Tenth Doctor, and so has the current incarnation of the Doctor, Matt Smith. There is an autobiography by Elizabeth Sladen titled Who's That Girl?, which is due to be published in the UK later this year. It is rumored that there are three stories that were already shot for the upcoming new Sarah Jane Adventures series. That is six episodes. This has not been officially confirmed as of yet to my knowledge, so we will have to wait and see. But if it is true, I would imagine they will show it, perhaps as a half-series, as a tribute to her work. When news broke on Tuesday, I had posted a blog entry on Podshock.net concerning it, and I really appreciate all the comments that are being left there. It's been hard trying to accept this devastating news for everyone all around, and sharing it on the net has made it a little bit easier. We are planning to do a tribute episode here on Talk to You Podshock, if you have anything that you would like to contribute to it, to share, please send in your recorded audio to feedback at podshock.net or use the Podshock public call box at 206-984-3543. Again, that's 206-984-3543. And now we go to Dr. Podshock, recorded prior to this terrible, tragic news. Live from Diva Loca, this is Doctor Who Podshock. 
Doctor Who Pod Shop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. Podshock! I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? The Gallifreyan Embassy in its 26th year presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 243. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Louis Trapani. Hello, hi. Across the great pond, Mr. James Naughton. Hello. And uh, joining us on this week's episode, our correspondence on the sidewalks of New York City, is none other than Anthony and Jessica Burge, who are the also the editors of Mythological Do- Do- Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who. Did I? Uh, Yes. tongue-tied myself trying to get that out. <laughs> That's totally cool, and hello to everyone listening. Hello. Glad to have you both on the show again. Well, thank you, sir. Happy to be here. So we have a jam-packed show, and we're happy to have you both here because you're going to be filling us in on... Earlier this week, there was a premiere showing of Doctor Who in New York City once again, and you two were lucky enough to <laughs> to be online for that. So... um We'll have have your thoughts on that as well. Sure, not a problem. Lovely to report. So, shall we jump into the news? Why not? What's been going on in the in the news, Lewis? Yeah, there's that lovely sound. <laughs> well, I was waiting yes, for it. <laughs> yesterday, Karen Gillan was a a guest on the Late Late Show. Actually, she recorded for the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, and that episode should be going out. Well, rumor is that's going out on the twenty second of April, which is the day before the premiere of the new series of Doctor Who. So, but check your local listings for details and that sub, that's obviously subject to change and I don't know if they have it listed on their website as of yet, but um, it's a uh, she follows the footsteps of both Alex Kingston and Matt Smith appearing on that show. Mm. You have to wonder how long it's going to be before they get other cast members on board as well. Well, the show. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more and more. It's it's was really interesting. I think the last time when Alex Kingston was on it, you know, this is a CBS show, and seeing uh, they were showing clips from Doctor Who on it, so it was really interesting seeing Doctor Who clips with the CBS um, bug on the corner of the screen there. Sure, yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm going to be really interested to watch it, but I, I kind of hope as well that um, at some stage in the future. Um, they maybe get Arthur Darville on board, the guy who plays Rory. Sure. Because he, he just seems to... He's a real, real nice guy, and I'm, I think uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see whenever whenever he's interviewed in that episode when they did... Um, when he sort of took the reins of the confidential, and that was really interesting um, way back when. So, But, yeah, certainly it's going to be cool to see when uh, what Karen has to say. And it's great that they've... Uh, really been doing such a fantastic uh, job of 
of representing Doctor Who in the States and going round and giving so many interviews and, st- and such because it's only going to be it's only going to be good for the show. I, I was watching um, a few clips on YouTube uh, just today and just out of the blue. Um, several guys mentioned Doctor Who and I didn't even know that they were Doctor Who fans and they were just saying how excited they are about the show. So you know that it's really making a big impact over in the States. It's great to see from a British perspective. Well, yeah, I think it's just further evidence how Doctor Who is really ingraining itself here in in the U.S. There's even a new U.S. Uh, North American, I should say, magazine, Doctor Who Insider, that's that came out like last week or so. But they've had some cool videos and such, haven't they, uh, been released recently? Well, that's not to be confused. BBC America is releasing a series of videos called Doctor Who Insider ah, as well. that's so, where I've heard it before. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. There's a, there's a magazine with that name, and they're releasing a series of videos which are sort of like Doctor Who Confidentials. They're a little behind the scenes. Uh, not so much of the making, but just of... Um, you know, various cast members being interviewed, and uh, obviously they're not going to have any anything spoilery in it. So, and it's they're available on our website, Pachog.net, and they're releasing them on YouTube. So, um, it's available, you know, no matter where you live. Cool, which cool. is good. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> Cue the type. That woke me up. <laughs> but speaking of Roy and Arthur Darville, is uh, BBC released a photograph from the new series which has him facing the Cybermen. So that's evidence that at least um, for a scene, or it could even be a, just a cameo, that the Cybermen have re- are you know coming back, have re- returned once again. They seem to uh, been updated slightly, ever so much, as far as their attire goes. But uh, it still looks like Pete's World Cybermen, unfortunately. Well, because they, they kind of, um, for it was kind of implied at the end of the last series, and certainly in the adventure games, that the new the, the Cybermen as they are appearing now, because they have a different logo on the different motif on their chest. It's gone is the is the usual C. Um, yeah, for the- they, they now have like uh, an image like their their, their faceplate. Mm-hmm. Um, that these are now the original Cybermen from from Mondas, the ones that we know and love. And uh, there's, I don't know about in in the states, but there's been quite a bit of publicity about the fact that um, that the Cybermen are back and that they're going to be um, the uh, featuring in the new series. Although that's the big the big guess as to how much they're going to be. Um, Appearing uh, within the new series, but on the even on the official um, BBC website, they have a whole new section on the front page uh, related to the Cybermen, uh, going through their history and uh, and talking about them. It's kind of, I guess, to to promote the new series. But I I guess that that it'll just be for one or two episodes. Um, well, I don't need for the adventure games. They made it clear that it was the the Mondas Cybermen. Yes, they did. Yeah, but for the television series, they still have not really done that. I know, aside it from was, the the head in the museum back in you know twenty oh five, we haven't really seen the Cybermen, our Cybermen yet. Mm. But in in the in the um, Pandorica opens, they kind of alluded to it, I think, in some dialogue, but they didn't really specifically go into too much detail. So it'll be interesting to see 
how they deal with it and whether they just they just sort of fob it off and say, oh, it's the Cybermen again, or you know, um, I think that they've the, the Beeb they sort of downplayed it. Uh, they don't really mind um, what the origin is of them. They just care that they're they're featuring in the in the show really, which is a bit of a bit of a shame, I guess, because well, that's it, the one great thing about Doctor Who is that it's got all this history behind it and all this. Um, if they look Ology. similar to Pete's World, so, I mean, that's fine. You know, just obviously take the C off the chest, and, and that's, that. you know. I just hope their attitude is more like, you know, and their character is more like what we've seen, you know, in the past. What we know and love, yeah, yeah. rather than delete, delete, delete. Yeah, yeah, because that just got a little bit tiring, you know. It did get tiring, and it just sort of made them feel like, like Daleks, really. Yeah, they That's just all seem to be like pawns of, you know, the cyber controller. And, you know, of course we had cyber controllers, before, you know, in in our world as well. But yeah. they just seemed a little bit more, you know, our, our Cybermen seemed a little bit more independent and, um, you know. Our Cybermen. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that Ken's a huge, big Cybermen fan. Um, I am, yeah. I'm, I'm always happy to see them back. But I agree that... Uh, from the look of the photograph, we didn't really get much of a change from what we've seen the last few years. But well, we'll see. They actually yeah. look a lot like what we saw in uh, the next Doctor. Yes, that's true. With the um, the black the black face plate, eyes, to, the uh, yeah. raccoon eyes. Mm. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I guess that they. For merchandising reasons and all the rest of it, and also, I guess, to cut production costs down, they've decided not to, you know, completely rehash them and uh, do something completely different. Um, but hey-ho, we'll just have to see how it all pans out, but it's quite exciting, I think, that they're back. And uh, Well, yeah, I mean, we've seen one still that doesn't necessarily mean they're back. You know, yeah, it could be a cameo. One still yeah. of the Pandorica Opens. Oh, the You'd Big think, Bang. Oh, the Cybermen, yeah. Exactly. That's true. Oh, the Santarans are back. The Cybermen are back. The Daleks are back. No, they, they were, sort of, but not <laughs> back. Yes, not back, back. Um, yeah. But hey, ho. All righty. Uh, next news item, then. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the fact that uh, Doctor Who Podshock had been nominated in in the SFX Blog Awards and how much of a... I don't know about you guys, but I I felt really, really honoured that we were even nominated. Um, Voting, sadly, has now closed, and uh, I guess it sort of passed a lot of people by because we didn't even realise that we had been nominated until quite late on in the game. Um, but it's a real honour because I've always been a huge uh, SFX fan. For those for those of you not in the know, SFX is a, a huge sci-fi magazine here in the UK. They rather sort of boldly claim that um, they're the best science fiction uh, magazine in the world, and I'd, I'd go along with that because I, re- I really love SFX, and they've always um, had a huge slant towards Doctor Who, and their coverage of Doctor Who's been fantastic. Um, <clears throat> so they 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 nominated us for um, best science fiction podcast uh, for the Blog Wars 2011. Like I say, the voting is now closed. I don't know when the results are going to be released, but I'm just thrilled even that we we were nominated because there are so many great 
podcasts out there, Doctor Who podcasts alone, let alone, you know, science fiction podcasts, which the category is for. So to well, just be nominated. you look at all the podcasts the- that were in that bunch, and every one of them is great. It's just. Yeah. All really, really, big us hitting. too. Yeah, that's pretty- yeah. <laughs> Shock horror that we were you nominated. The, you have the right group of guys. Yeah, I mean, I think what they did, uh, I think they opened it up to um, to their forum for suggestions as to um, to who to put into the category, who to nominate for for the award. And the, there's the Geek Syndicate there. There's Small Press, Big Mouth, Escape Pod, and us. So. You know, we're up against some fantastic competition, and whoever wins, it'll be, you know, well deserved. So, Escape Pod just the best name, isn't it? It's just the coolest <laughs> name. <laughs> it's like, it it's all about the punish. No, just in simple two words, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll hopefully keep you guys posted about you know uh, the results of that. And as I say, whoever wins, it's it's well deserved. But it's just I, I want to thank everybody at SFX and also and the, people uh, who the voted. guys on the forums who voted yeah. for yeah, us. Yeah, a lot of people had voted. Us. So you know, and, and whether it, it doesn't matter, you know, if we win or lose, it's just being an honor just to be nominated. And there were six categories that they had, which we were in one of the six, and um, they made up of you know not just podcasts, there were blogs and other science fiction related websites and. Uh, mm. So the, the, the Paul Carnell was in there. Um, Tony Lee, um, Gallifrey Base was uh, was up for best fan community. It's funny that it was when it came to Doctor Who related things. Everything that was nominated was something like I the, the blogs they nominated and the people they were nominating all things that I follow. You know, it was funny that those were some of my favorite spots. So it was kind of interesting like sometimes when you get into a, a situation like that with nominations you might you hopefully discover something else of quality that you might not normally follow uh, mm. in this particular case they hit the marks on just about everything that i follow so i was like kind of shocked by that like i was hoping to find them saying well check this blog out because this is really good mm. um, and, but in the case of Doctor Who, it was all stuff that, uh, that had already been... It was. It was It was great to see so much from Doctor Who because uh, we talked about Paul Cornell, but, of course, they also had um, James Moran on there, yeah. um, Neil Gaiman, who's, of course, the writer of Sandman and is doing uh, uh, a, an episode of Doctor Who in the new series. Um, it's just really fantastic. And... Uh, like I say, whoever wins, it'll be absolutely well deserved, and I'm I'm really excited to see what the results are going to be. I don't know when they're going to be coming out, but hey ho, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, speaking of Neil Gaiman, I heard that he's very pleased with his uh, story. He, I guess, he's seen it and he's very happy with it. Yeah, and you know, if he's uh, if he's thrilled with it, um, you know, it's going to be awesome because there there have been some stories I think over the course of you know since Doctor Who's been back that. Um, that everybody sort of liked or, or had different thoughts about, but sometimes I, I get I get this just a distinct impression that um, it hasn't really sort of panned out from the script. That it's not necessarily what the the writer envisaged um, in in every case. So sometimes I think the execution isn't as good as as the script would be if you just sort of read it on paper. And that's obviously because of you know budget constraints and all the rest of it. And you know. But um, 
Well, there uh, seems really to be a, excited a whole it. lot of anticipation for this episode, so I just hope that it doesn't let people down because there's so much, you know, built up anticipation for it. But I, I'm sure. keeping a clean slate, so I, I doesn't, you know, I, I'm not really my expectations are just kind of level. So I'll see. Well, there's, there's always that expectation, isn't there? Especially when um, they get a celebrity or already a celebrity on board to to write a story, and and because it's you know Neil Gaiman who's just a, a legend in in science fiction and, and comics and fantasy and you know it there's even more of that pressure you know even even more so than when they said oh Stephen Fry is going to be writing uh, an episode mm. or you know which still whatever. hasn't come to light yet hopefully, no hopefully um, I think one it's day. just been too busy but that's just one example I mean yeah. there's been a whole host of other people who've written you know um Episodes like Richard Curtis, for instance, he wrote, uh, of course, the uh, the one with Vincent Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, th- there's always that high expectation, but it just seems that now there's because of Neil Gaiman, it's even even higher, and and rightly so, of course. So I'm I'm just just looking through the trailer and looking at the stills um, from his episode, or what I assume to be his episode. It it, it looks really cool, and it's got this rather enigmatic title hasn't it the doctor's wife so which i guess well i hope it isn't river song because i think that would be rather too obvious wouldn't it i think yeah i don't think they'll give it away in an episode title (laughs) yeah yeah anyway i don't know if we had any other news gentlemen to discuss any uh anyone else had anything they want to bring up well, I'll remind everybody, if you're in the Long Island area, that we're doing our uh, Gallifrey Embassy meetup on May 1st. Just a friendly re- reminder, Sunday, May 1st, it's going to be at Eleanor Rigby's in Mineola, New York, and there'll be some details forthcoming on that. It starts at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We'll show a classic episode, and then we'll probably show uh, The Impossible Astronaut in a two-parter after that. I think that would be a logical assumption. Very logical. All right. Well, uh, on another show-related um, point, I just wanted to remind everyone that we have a new number for the Doctor Who Pachak public call box, which is two zero six nine eight four three five four three. So, uh, which people have been using. So we got some new feedback. So we're we're happy to and pleased to, uh, to see that people are using the new number. Uh, unfortunately, if you use our old number, that's on our old shows we won't get them anymore so um, but if you're listening to this you know the new number is 206-984-3543 and as always that's a 206 area code so just be aware of that we don't charge you anything but your phone company or carrier may we it's, like to uh, keep you on your toes and change it every once in a while it's kind of scary sometimes when you meet somebody who said oh i just i recently subscribed to your podcast and i started with episode one and i'm like no work backwards, <laughs> yes. work backwards then you'll know what's out of date yeah, yeah but i call that old feedback number the next thing you know you're getting a fax machine for an aluminum siding company <laughs> it's just unfortunate that every so often we we have to change our number mm-hmm. um I like to joke and say that it keeps everyone on, our, on their toes. But, on their toes. But I guess the the key thing is just to check check the website, or you know, if failing that, you can always just just send us an email with with audio feedback. Obviously, that requires a bit more organisation, but nevertheless, it's well. If, uh, if you call and you don't hear one of us on the other end saying, you know, please leave your feedback, that you know you're not calling the right number. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that much get, is true. Hi, this is. Mary, please leave a message. Then you probably got the wrong spot. 
<laughs> um, one last thing in the, in the news bit. I, I just remembered this when we were talking about the, the event in Mineola on uh, May 1st. Is that um, word around the campfire is that Fraser Hines is coming to New York in mid-July sometime to bring his uh, time-traveling Scott show to the East Coast. He did it. Wow. At, he premiered it at Gallifrey back in February, and he's going to be here in New York to do it in mid-July. Details to be released soon, but I wanted to put that out there so that everybody can plan to come see Fraser. I, to, I mean, Lewis can attest to this. I think this is his first Doctor Who-related thing in New York yeah. ever. So that's full stop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're in our area, I don't remember him ever doing a. Back in the day, a Spirit of Light convention or Creation or Doctor Who Fan Club of America convention, he didn't do it. I would have gone to see him, and I'm sure Lewis would have as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially not, not in New York I, or this immediate area. He hasn't yeah. been. Yeah, you know, it, so it's something worth traveling to, and it, this was a great show, as um, Lewis can attest to, and uh, who was with me, and, you know, when we were in L.A., and we got to see the, the first um, – the premiere of Time Traveling Scott. And like any great live show, I'm sure it has things that it gets worked out and fleshed out and stuff. So I'm pretty excited to see it a second time. Yeah, but it's not just that, but Fraser is is such a fantastic oh, yeah. chap. And yeah. he's, he's he's quite quite the raconteur. So, um, you know, he's it's always fun to see him out and Fantastic about. stories. The, the show is different than I expected. I, you know, I, I, I guess maybe after seeing... Moz ate my Doctor Who scarf a few times. I was kind of expecting that style, and that is a very much from a stand-up comics point of view. And Fraser's thing is a lot different than that. It's a lot more... Um, it, it's a little more of his stories. Uh, as opposed, Sometimes they're not funny. Sometimes they're, t- you know, they're, they go off in, in different directions. So there's a lot of humor to it because Phrase is a funny guy. But there was also a few other little things that was kind of like there's a story about a kiss in there that's great, you know, and that's not particularly funny. It's just a, a, a nice story, you know. Hmm. Anyway, I'm psyched up to see Fraser anytime. So that's totally cool. Yeah, it's great to have him in New York. And if you can make it here, he'll make it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be uh, right back with more Dr. Upachak. My name is Alice Trouton, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Podshop. Hey, Torchwood is coming up soon, and you might want to prepare yourself by getting some getting some Torchwood goodness in you. And one way to do that is through audiobooks. And one selection is Torchwood Department X, which is a audiobook written by well, it was written by James Goss, and it's narrated by Kai Owen, who we know plays Reese in the Torchwood series. And one way to do this, one way to get your hands on a Torchwood audio drama or audiobook as it is, is via Audible. Audible is the leading provider of digital audiobooks. They have well over 75,000 titles to choose from in their huge library, and that covers all different genres, including science fiction and fantasy. 
Well, and it's also compatible with all your devices, including iPods and iPads and iPhones and, well, any MP3 player, over 500 devices for your listening anytime, anywhere, just like this podcast. And speaking of this podcast, listeners of Dr. Hupachak, or for listeners of Dr. Hupachak, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for a free 14-day trial when you sign up for them, and you can check out their service. And as always, we like to uh, make a suggestion, and our choice this time is um, Torchwood Department X, which is a it's a story that has a department store named J.R. Owens, which is Carter's oldest department stores. And times are hard, and this ancient firm has gone into administration, but who are the administrators? Who are uh, what goes on? What's <laughs> what's going on behind the shutters at night? And why are the customers disappearing? Price was worried. He stood looking out through the doors at what promised to be another miserable day. G. R. Owens is one of Cardiff's oldest department stores, a granite monolith halfway between a bank and a Roman palace. Its proud facade had once dominated the city centre. For over a hundred years, they'd all come and gone. Tram lines, snack bars, Christmas markets. It had seen off Woolworths, outlasted borders, and had barely even noticed the rise and fall of Pound Paradise. But now something new, alien and ugly, towered over G.R. Owen's Victorian front. The endless glass windows of Cardiff's newest shopping centre glared balefully, hungrily at G.R. Owen's. Mr. Price shuddered. He watched the staff scurrying to their post, manning tills and counters and display stands, warming up their best smiles and brushing down their uniforms. He swept imaginary dander from his neat little suit and checked his old watch. 8.57. He'd been there at 8.57 every day for the last 30 years, standing at the ornate shop doors, their brass fittings newly polished. Three minutes to go. In the old days, there'd already have been a queue forming, mothers with prams and eager pensioners wrapping their purses impatiently on the door, breath fogging up the freshly vinegared glass. But not today. There was no one waiting for G.R. Owens to open. There hadn't been for a while. It was going to be another bad day. Mr. Price knew it. Already that morning, there had been a most disagreeable trip down to the basement. They were becoming more and more frequent. Mr. Price was worried. No one waiting outside the shop and something very wrong inside. He ran a weary hand through his thinning hair and stared sadly out at the empty pavement. Across the road, crowds of shoppers bustled eagerly into the new shopping centre. A bus pulled up, feeding yet more people into the neighbouring temple of steel and glass. 8.59 he paused, listened, and as the distant church bells began to chime, reached forward to slide out the heavy brass bolts. It was nine o'clock, and, just as it had been every day for over 100 years, G.R. Owens was open for business. Mr. Price heard a sad little sigh. At his side was Mavis, his capable deputy manager, a plain little woman in a worn beige dress. She looked sadly at the empty doorway, went back at Mr. Price and tutted. No words were necessary. Best man the battle stations, sighed Mr. Price. Early days yet, Mavis. There's still time. Mavis nodded sympathetically and leaned towards him in confidence. I've just taken care of that little spillage up on the fourth floor carpet. 
she whispered. Uh, and that's a sample of that Torchwood Department X. And I think it's time for for them to call Torchwood with everyone disappearing like that. Mm. It's quite cool, though. I really like um, Kyowin's uh, narration there. And um, the the style of of writing really paints the picture. Yeah, very you, descriptive. It's, yeah, it's really great. Well, you can make this your free selection if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap, A-R-T-T-R-A-P, for your free audiobook. You can make that your selection, or you can choose anything that they have to offer. They have, As I said, they have a huge selection of offerings there, and go to the website and check it out. And if you didn't catch that URL, go to podshock.net, and you can click on the... There's a little banner there on our site there that will give you that offer as well, so... Check yeah, it out. cheers, guys. It'll really help us out. Thanks ever so much. And, and speaking of Torchwood, uh, Burn... I'm sorry. Burn... I'm, I just Burn lost Gorman. Burn, Burn, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Burn Gorman has just uh, been announced as a new cast member for The Dark Knight Rises, which is Christopher Nolan's oh. latest and his uh, third and final outing as director of the, of the new um, Batman movie serial. So we don't know what character he's playing, but he joins the cast. It's exciting and, stuff, though, because he was a really great actor. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So uh, that movie is due out in July of next year, 2012. Let's get back to Dr. Pachak. And joining us here is, well, who is already with us right now is um, Anthony and Jessica. How you guys doing? We're doing fine. <clears throat> Sitting here in the corner and listening to you all uh, talk about Doctor Who and Torchwood and all that. Well, <laughs> it's almost like you're listening to a podcast. <laughs> I wonder which one I might say. <laughs> well, you guys were online on Monday. We were recording this on Thursday, but earlier this week was the was um, April 11th, which was the second time that there was a premiere screening in New York City of the new Doctor Who series. Uh, they did it last year, and they did it again this year. Yep, we were there 7.30 in the morning. Uh, well, I was there. Jesse had to teach the whole day. She had a couple of classes, so she didn't make yeah. it in last year. I was there at 7.30 in the morning, was fifth in line, and had a great time. And uh, this year, it seemed to go a little crazy. Well, we well, I called you while you were online, and we did a short little interview, and this is what you had to say then. They are at the East Cinema, the Village, the East Village Cinema, for today's, today is Monday, the 11th of April, and you're standing online for the special preview, and uh, along with the cast, you're going to get to see of the new series of Doctor Who. That's right. Uh, I've been online, and we can... It'll turn into a whole other discussion if we talk about the Twitter hashtag DWLineCon and the, the viral virality, if you want to use that term, that it turned into. But I've been here since 11.15 last night. Wow. And, and it, I should note that it's 4.30 p.m. right now. So you've been there for, well, for a good 16 hours, 16 and a half yeah. hours. Jesse had to work earlier this morning, and a lot of people in line were pretty friendly. You know, they said, oh, my boyfriend or my wife or my husband is going to join me, which is understandable. We all kind of agreed that you're not going to bring in dozens of people ahead of everybody else, you know. So I got there about 11.15. Taras was already online, and there was already about 50 people online. This is vastly different than last year because last year I arrived at 7.30 in the morning, 
I was fifth online. I arrived last night at 11.15. I was, I don't know, almost 60th. Wow. And people have been camping out. There's a guy that, you know, he came from Massachusetts. He, he writes a blog, and he wanted to blog about his experience here. So he was actually first online. He camped out from 5 p.m. And there was a woman that came in after him that had a little dome tent that she slept in all night. Wow. And people, one, there was one tent, and a lot of people brought sleeping bags and uh, pillows, and they all, we all slept like hobos last night. I mean, I brought my camping chair and slept in my camping chair. Barnaby DWY showed up. Did you uh, tell? Did you tell everyone online that they're not giving out iPhones? That this wasn't an iPhone line? <laughs> no, they, they, Barnaby commented to BBC America that he's he's blown away by this because he's been a Doctor Who fan for thirty years, and I'm sure you know he can report to you on his own. But he basically said it's like a, like a Star Wars uh, movie. People yeah, I remember out. them. I, I yeah, I, I kept online myself for those. <laughs> well, there you go. You're a dedicated Star Wars fan, and he says it blows his mind to see this many people show up this early. You know, from he was here at five o'clock in the morning, Barnaby. But wow. I was there from eleven fifteen, and I was fiftieth online. So there's people that were camping out since five o'clock. So that being said. Uh, moving on through the night, we all got to know each other, hung out, you know, the usual social thing. How, how was There's, the how was the night? How was the weather? Was it cold? Well, it got it did get a little chilly. From I'd say, uh, for me to get cold is a lot because I'm a little overweight, and you know, it, you know, I you got a little cold. insulation there, as I do. Polar bear effect going on. <laughs> um, I was actually sporting my Podshock hoodie, which keeps me warm, of course. Very cool. And now I'm down to my Podshock T-shirt, which because it's sun, <laughs> sun and 50 degrees out. It's and gone from one extreme to the other. It went from one extreme to the other, literally. It was cloudy, misty, like a misty-type rain. It didn't rain, but it was like misty. And then by 6, 7, 8 o'clock, it all burned off and the sun came out. So, and, uh, so are, are people yeah. there with, um, with, with remote control Daleks and sonic news, uh, sonic uh, screwdrivers rather? Screwdrivers and uh, adipose, a lot of cosplayers, a lot of cosplayers. And if you've been following my Twitter feed, uh, twitter.com slash mythic who, I've been posting pictures since 2 a.m. Many fezzes. Many fezzes. I posted a picture of people sleeping in sleeping bags, and I tweeted to Stephen Moffat and to BBC America, here are your fans camping out to 2 a.m. So I <laughs> um, posted a whole bunch of pictures, and, uh, yeah, it's just a cool cosplayer, a lot of gear. I personally did bring my virtual Davros and Dalek because Andre told me last night, said people are already camping out. And I'm like, you kidding me? Because I wasn't planning on getting there until about two, three, maybe in two and five. I was planning on getting there. And he calls me. He goes, I'm on my way. So I said, all right. So I got in the shower. I left my house at eight thirty last night. Made a couple of pit stops at a store to get some overnight supplies. I all I do is bring sort of camping gear, you know, some clothing and some food and some books to read and audios to listen to. Uh, of course, listening to Podshock on my Podshock app, and uh, just to keep the night going. But this morning, um, we sort of best part that almost paid for it all, you know, camping out and stuff like that, is that I say about, oh, 
11 o'clock, and there's pictures of it up on Twitter on the hashtag. The hashtag is uh, DW and, and Matt Smith, Cara Dillon, Arthur Dobble show up in a big SUV with about a dozen boxes of donuts. They're handing out donuts to fans. Oh, really? They are. You, you missed that on the Twitter feed? No, no, I'll have to catch it now. Go on to the hashtag and, and check it out. But they showed up with boxes of donuts. I have a picture of Chris Cabeza. You may know him from uh, the Long Island groups and stuff. And I, mm-hmm. But I have a picture of him that I posted. He's Cubelink. Uh, Twitter.com slash Cubelink of him and Kara Gillen, and Kara Gillen is holding a box of donuts. And they came and handed donuts to all the fans. They signed autographs, took pictures. I got off the Dobble's autograph on a photo. And, uh, you know, we all ate donuts delivered by Dr. Amy Rory. That's fantastic. No, no uh, Jimmy Dodgers? No, Jamie Dodgers, rather? It's a lot of Jamie Dodgers, but not from the doctor. He bought donuts. Um... <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, you know, Jelly Babies and Jammy Dodgers, but what topped it all was them showing up out of the blue and just giving donuts and signing autographs and being part of the fans, and they just, they were so grateful and thankful. Stephen Moffat and Alex Kingston weren't there, but, and then they piled back into their big SUV and took off. Wow, that's fantastic. They, they made everybody's day. Everybody's been talking about it. The Twitter uh, hashtag exploded. About an hour or so ago, maybe, 2.33 o'clock, BBC came around and handed out uh, the official ribbons for getting into the screening. Okay, so good. There's colors. There's blue and there's yellow. If you got the blue, you're getting into... They're gonna, the seating arrangement is basically two theaters. They're going to split it, 250, I guess 250 people in each theater. I'm not quite sure. And one's going to have the cats live there. Both theaters are going to show the, the, the opening two-parter, but one theater is going to have a live, quote-unquote, live play with the cast, and the other theater is going to be simulcast. That's, I heard um, so, Barnaby had tweeted they had a third theater that they opened up as well. Uh, maybe, because Barnaby's on top of that. He has more connections than I do. So if he's on top, he told you that, then... Well, he had tweeted he had tweeted that about maybe like with like a half hour ago. Uh, hold on a second. What's the law? It's Lewis. Hello. Jesse's here. Hey, Jesse. How you doing? Hello. How's uh Doctor Who Line Con doing? Not too bad. It's uh, it's a little crazy. We're just so uh, in everyone's in Starbucks waiting to use the um, the, the loo. <laughs> you know. Well, in a few so, hours you all be, that. in a few hours you all be in the theater, and it will all pay off. You know, you'll. Um, y- well, we're also hoping that everyone who's like really overtired, as soon as the lights go out, that everyone doesn't have that cold. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a shame if everyone fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would be. It would be, absolutely. But well, make sure you buy some coffee at Starbucks as well to tide you over. Hold on a second. What did you say? He's still talking. Yeah, you just hear. Well, you just... No, I just said make sure you buy enough coffee so you guys can stay awake during the, you know, the two-parters. I'm sure you guys will. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, pretty much caught up to what's going on now. They, they said about 6.30 they'll start letting folks in. 
and I'm hoping for them to come around and autograph again. I'm, we're a little bit of a photograph hound, so. Uh, but if not, it's still worthy experience just to share the fact that they have donuts and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm sure they'll do what they did last year and they'll they'll do some you know autographs online and maybe uh, I don't know after the show or something like that they might do something. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. But nonetheless, uh, you know, we got our wristband and we're just waiting to get in and. Uh, I'll go around talk to some fans. I've had some battery issues, but again. Yeah, I don't want to drain your battery. Well, the only problem I'm I'm thinking is, well, I'm using Skype on my iPod Touch, and I'll go record with the phone. So uh, anyway, but this has been a lot of fun. Just a lot of people, you know. There's a woman, uh, ABQ Michelle on Twitter. Uh, she actually wanted to come out here. She's in Albuquerque, New Mexico, right near Tara Wheeler. Mm-hmm. And she, huh? I know that. I'm about to tell him that. Jesse's like, yeah, she did come out. Uh, <laughs> she flew out to Albuquerque for this. Wow. And actually, uh, Tara Wheeler found out, I guess through the Twitter feed, that she was from Albuquerque. She was a Doctor Who fan, and she was flying out. Um, and they went and uh, Michelle had, I guess, coffee or lunch with uh, t- uh, Tara? Tara and DH. Before Michelle flew out here, you know, so... I'm surprised Tara didn't put her in one of her suitcases and (laughs) come over with her. That might be a little tight. Michelle is not exactly (laughs) hobbit-sized. All right, well, that was was on Monday, and uh, now it's Thursday. So what's your takeaway from from the event there? Well, it sounds like I'm underwater, though. Well, yeah, you you were calling from uh, you know via Wi-Fi on the Skype network there oh, yeah, in Starbucks. Yeah, so. you know, I listened to the uh, the um, the Sonic News driver version. Anyway, um, take away from it. Well, we did write, uh, and Jesse can speak about that a little bit. Uh, a little bit of an article, uh, some thoughts. We we had a very good time. We had met a number of good fans, and uh, you know, walked around, met some folks, and. We're surprised that one or two people had a copy of our book in line and want us to sign it. So you were giving autographs as well. (laughs) Yes, but we shocked the hell out of us. Somebody, oh, you guys did the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they pulled it out, and there it was. And uh, Because Andre had created little name tags um, for the DW Line Con, and when I was just walking around and checking things out, some folks recognized us and, you know, asked if we had – one asked if we had a copy, so I – you know, sold them a copy, and another one wanted us to sign it. And uh, it, overall, it was the the line itself was an enjoyable experience. We have a couple of personal gripes about some things that took place, but that's not you know, not here nor there right mm-hmm. now. Going in though, I felt was a little chaotic. I, I think they could have done the line, you know, organizing online a little bit better. I mean, was it perfect? No, no. I mean, maybe if they're going to continue doing this year by year, who knows? They're going to refine their process of how it's organized, and this is how things happen. Each year you hold a, an event, you refine your process of how things take place. The actual screening, we're bound by mind meld from Stephen Moffat not to say anything. <laughs> well, we don't want any spoilers, but... Uh... No, no, no. We're not gonna, we want to give any spoilers away anyway. And I was thinking of your uh, discussion earlier about the Cybermen and that one shot. And I recalled, you know, because they showed a trailer, uh, and I'm not going to give any away, anything away, but they did show a trailer after the end of the episodes, and it's not a trailer that I know that's been online. 
and there, there was I remember seeing that scene of what you discussed that where mm-hmm. Rory standing there with the the Cybermen sure and um but the actual experience going in and they handed out baseball caps with the new Doctor Who logo and BBC America on the back and they're not awesome yeah, they're not crappy hats. They are like I'm not a sports fan nor a baseball fan. These are like like a Yankees hat that you would buy in wow. you know, Models or some Yankee shop. These are really like really high quality hats. Last year we just got magnets. <laughs> yeah, just magnets. I got the two magnets on my fridge still, but I was looking for a new hat to a you know, I wear like uh, different types of baseball caps or hats or whatever. Well, not baseball, but just different caps. And having a Doctor Who on the sport going to work is pretty cool. Fantastic. And um, so we we sat down. I just think the the seating could have been less pandemonium and free-for-all. And had it not been for the woman, uh, Michelle, from Albuquerque that I mentioned in my pre-screening yes. report, she gave up her seat and moved, so Jesse and I can actually sit together. Oh, that was nice. Because it was just like a free-for-all. Everybody ran, and by the time we got up there and looked around, there was just single seats left. And so we just sat down, and, and she gave, she moved, and, you know, the screening started and went through the two episodes. And, um, so what, what did you think, without giving anything away, um, what did you think of the— away now, first, Jesse doesn't look at— you can yeah she can talk for herself as she just reminded me um i look at and i'm not going to say any spoilers but i look at a lot of the spoiler reports and the you know i'm trying not to look at as much as i had last year but i looked at a number of things and my personal impression was looking at all the stills the videos the prequels and stuff what i thought would happen in these first two episodes i was completely wrong Really? Wow. I thought I put together from how it would play out, um, I was completely wrong. So uh, expect the unexpected then. Right, exactly. And I, you know, as you know, these are these two first two opening episodes deal with the, the filming in Utah. Mm-hmm. And I was half expecting to see Tara Wheeler wave her on the path. I was going to ask that. <laughs> um but I heard that Andre was able to get Matt Smith's autograph for her uh, or for himself or whatever because he mentioned the iPad lady in Utah and Matt Smith turned right around and I think gave him an autograph. <laughs> and um, But I, like I said, I, anything that I put together in my head of what to expect, it was completely wrong. But overall, you'll say you were pleased and, and excited. Oh, I was more than pleased. I we just I was on the edge of my seat, holding the banister in front of me, pleased. So we shall not be disappointed, is what you're saying. I hope not, because they blew me away, blew Jesse away, and I think they blew just about everybody else away. All right, well, uh, I awesome. Think, I think it, there's been some things that he 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 stepped up. He like it's sort of like pushed the envelope type thing. Mm-hmm. So, your thoughts, Jess? Well, you, you said most of it. Um, there was one point that was just made in the Q&A afterwards, and I think it was by um, the host, uh, that it wasn't really like we were watching a television show. We, it was as though we were watching, sitting there uh, for a movie. Just the way it was, um, the, the, I don't want to say that the, the cinematography was stepped up from what we've seen in the past, 
Um, but uh, of course, because it's the the season, you know, the opening show of the season, it is a little bit more um, yeah. over the top. So it's much more cinematic. Um, where they filmed, I mean, if if anyone grew up on any westerns, it really had a lot of those um, those moments where you were reminded of watching. Um, you know, these grand sweeping vistas of, you know, the American Midwest, which was really pretty interesting to see in Doctor Who. Um, and now that they're shooting in HD, it, it adds to that cinematic flavor yeah. as well. well. I don't think, I didn't know that. So if they're shooting in HD, then that's why. Yeah, yeah, they're in HD. One thing that I, I noticed, um, and it's sort of continuing what, what Moffat has done from the previous season, um, which I find a little... It, it it doesn't quite always work for me is his color patterns seem a little too bright uh there were certain like if you if you look at some of the davies episodes especially ones that moffat did he had a certain almost monochromatic way of doing things mm-hmm. and this everything is painted with the same color palette which doesn't necessarily work you know, because you like to see a bit of difference. Sometimes the, using that in terms of framing the shot helps w- with the story that's being told. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to, but that, that's, that's just one way, that's somebody's, you know, a different interpretation. Maybe he's doing it on purpose because, um, you know, creatively, it's just a different way of expressing those. Because usually when you have darker episodes, not saying that this one was at all, you have that more limited color scheme. Without giving any spoilers away, I was, I, I could kind of see, and I'm really curious, um, and I ha- had I, if I wasn't so exhausted, I might have actually asked this question during the Q&A, um, but I think that Moffat showed some influence of um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hmm. Um, and I could probably elaborate more after the episode airs, and it's just in terms of the new um, bad guy. It was really um, there was a particular episode I'm thinking of from Buffy that had a certain type of monster that was very very similar, not the same. Well, I, I know Russell T Davies was a fan of Buffy, and and I think that had you know he influenced him on his work on Doctor Who as well. I, I'm not really. Not that I dislike it, I'm just not really familiar with it, so I, I don't really have a lot, a lot of knowledge of Buffy, so um, I can't really point to exact examples of it, but from what I'm told, it's, um, you know, it's represented in Doctor Who. Well, that, it would definitely make sense, but I can make more comments after the show airs. Sure. When they do the live show, we could pop well, in... Yeah, we we are planning on doing a review. This is uh, this episode is going out on. Um, I mean, this Doctor Who episode is going out on BBC and BBC America and Space in Canada on the twenty third of April. And I believe they're now they're showing two episodes back to back. Is they're showing they're showing another one on the twenty fourth? James, uh, James, do you know? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure actually. I haven't checked this, the schedules, but the the Beeb have been notoriously tight-lipped about it. Um, whenever I've seen any trailers or anything, they've they've always just said coming soon. Um, uh, you guys over in the states have really uh, had had one up on us with this, and I think it's only really 
um, because of, of, of you guys having great publicity and saying, yeah, we're going to show it on the 23rd, that everybody else has known, okay, well, in the, in the UK it's, it's on the 23rd too. So I, I honestly don't know. I think that is the case um, so purely if- because I can't imagine that they would screen two episodes in the States and then not do the same in the UK because that would mean that you guys are ahead of us. Which I don't think the be. No, I do. don't think they would do that. I, but I, um, I, I just wanted to be clear that they are showing two episodes that weekend. Uh, I'm, that's my I, guess. I, I don't know. I haven't okay. checked the schedules to be honest. I, I've well, just, I've just sort of taken if it. If that is the case, then what we'll do is, I mean, unfortunately, the day after that Sunday, where we usually do our live re- review show on the net, is a holiday. So we're reviewing it on the following Sunday, which is um, Sunday, May first. So, and we'll have yep. details forthcoming on on uh, exactly when and where that's happening. So uh, so we'll, if you guys are available, you can come on and, and you can give your opinions of, of you know, yeah, of these we'll, episodes. We'll be, home, really and, uh, we'll be home and definitely love to join in and give our thoughts as to what Jesse may be alluding to or not alluding to. We'll keep it sort of, you know... Well, we were waiting on bated breath for... <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if they're going to be airing both episodes here. We haven't checked our DVR, you know, TV guide schedule. Um, when they showed it in the theater, you know, part one ended, and it immediately, it said, you know, I think it said episodes two or something like that, and it went immediately it to the opening. Right it went right into the opening of episode two. Mm-hmm. Well, either either way, we'll probably be reviewing at least two episodes on that day. So, and that obviously, it would be the first two that you just saw. Yeah, and it, there'll be definitely a lot to discuss. I will. I, I, I'm thinking there is. So, all right. So, anyone else have anything to ask Anthony or Jess about their about Monday's premiere? I think uh, you answered all the questions, uh, asked all the questions that I wanted to ask, so it's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, were you able to put all your gear and stuff under the seat? I mean, was that an issue as far as um, everyone camping out? Well, there there was actually no space under the seat, so you had to put it in front of you. (laughs) Yeah, I was able to get my backpack. We just basically had our backpack, maybe one one or two... Uh, other bags plus our folding chair which just felt you know folded up as a camping chair folded up and went into a sort of cylindrical bag and that laid right in front of our our feet and i was able to stick my backpack underneath my uh, seat it wasn't too big a deal um i noticed that they changed the setup from last year where the guests sat i mean they had more guests this year as you can probably see from all the things on youtube and the the, the stuff coming out they had beth nellis uh, Piers wagner and um you know, then the four guests and Stephen Moffat. Um, but they had them all, where we were sitting last year. Um, they probably either removed the seats or did something because it was a separate platform. The guests weren't near the attendees at all, um, as opposed to last year where Andre, myself, and Tim Grogan and a few others were about five feet from mm-hmm. the guests. Well, we should make it clear that you were in the theater that had the the cast there because they had to break it up into multiple theaters. Yes. So. Yes, they did. And I realized you had asked me while I was recording with you for Sonic News Driver uh, that Barney B had tweeted about the third theater being opened. And I had missed his tweet. But, yeah, they did 
for that particular showing, I believe they opened a third or even a fourth I theater. Think the fourth as well. Yeah. So those and, people and, got to see the screening of the, but they weren't. Now they did they um, have a video feed of the panel discussion going to that theater? That's my understanding. For the second room, because they originally were going to have two auditoriums. One was the live, you know, guest in front of you. The second was the simulcast Q and A. So I think for any subsequent um, theaters, the third and fourth theaters, they probably simulcast the Q and A to those, you know, video feed to those theaters. So you know, but you know, that's my guess, best mm-hmm. guess at it, because I knew they were doing that for a second theater. All right. Well, very good. Well, thank you both immensely. Yes. Thank you ever so much for coming on on the show and talking to us about your experiences there and everything. And for the cool article in your uh, online fanzine. Yeah. Which we actually, um, somebody asked us to have a bit of a rebuttal because the article caused a lot of. I think he's talking about about the Podshock article. Oh, I I apologize. <laughs> uh, but Jesse's referring to no. I, I thought we. I thought there was a lot of rebuttal about the Doctor Who Podshock article. Now, <laughs> Podshock article, I think, was I a long time, a long time, you know, waiting and wanting to, uh, me wanting to write something like that. Um, there's an article that was put out by Jesse. Was it yesterday? Yesterday. That caused a little bit of a stir and controversy and misunderstanding from various points of view. Well, what's the web address? So, uh, listeners. Comfychairzine.blogspot.com. Uh, but I didn't even know there was a controversy. Uh, people, you know, made a number of comments about it. But, you know, this is something from our perspective and our viewpoint that we found a little disagreeable as we had made in our opening comments. But the Podshock article I wrote because I felt it was long overdue. And then I wrote a subsequent one about the Sonic News Driver reporting we mm. did, guys. Well, thank sure. you. That was very thank generous you so much. of you to write, and uh, and we thank you both, and we always thank you for your support. It really, as always, it makes a tremendous difference, and so thank you. Well, yes. you discuss, and we always, you know, we believe in one hand washes the other, so <laughs> we we're always support you guys, and uh, we'll take it from there. Well, very cool. Very at least cool. we'll always have clean hands. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, I've just had a look at the, uh, as, as Lewis asked me on, on a related point, I've just had a look at the uh, the schedules online, on, courtesy of the radiotimes.com, and on Saturday the 23rd of April they have several episodes of Doc 2 screening, but only one from the new series it looks like. Um, and, and they're showing it earlier than normal, right? Isn't it like 6 p.m.? 6 o'clock, yeah, 6 till 6.45, The Impossible Astronaut. So when the Day of the Moon will be screening... Um, I honestly don't know, so uh, I don't know if they'll uh, catch up in some way with you, with the guys in the states. But you you might be. Uh, I, I don't know what goes ahead. Who knows what BBC America is doing either? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not privy to have that channel available to me. But. So it's all. But all we know is that, therefore, that it's kicking off on Saturday, the twenty third of Definitely. April. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll just have to see how it all pans out, basically. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe it's on. It's about a week and a half. Well, almost a week it away. It is. Now. Yeah, yeah, a week and a couple of days. Wow! Exciting times. All right. Well, we'll uh, let's. We'll be right back with some feedback.
This is Anthony Burge again, Podshock supporting subscriber, editor of the Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who, and editor of the uh, fanzine online, Comfy Chair, comfychairzine.blogspot.com. And as you all know, I wrote a little bit for that zine uh, about Podshock and why I'm a supporting subscriber. And here is that article uh, as a bit of feedback for listeners that I posted. It's called, Who Fan? Support Doctor Who Podshock Now! Why I'm a Doctor Who Podshock supporter subscriber, and why you should be as well. For every Doctor Who fan I encounter, there are many stories of their first recollections watching Doctor Who. For myself, I can, I can recall not only my first Doctor, fourth Tom Baker, and story, The Hand of Fear, but my first experience with the Doctor Who fan community. This was while watching a young Louis Trapani and Ken Deep during the pledge drives via WLIW, with the Gallifrey Embassy now in its 26th year. My childhood experience of watching Doctor Who was a bit chaotic. If memory serves, they were not always shown in order, or just parts of stories would air on PBS or WLIW, or not always in sequential order. This being said, I kept up with my love of Doctor Who as best I could once it went off the air in 1989. With the 96 movie and its full return in 2005, I was happy to revisit childhood memories of Doctor Who, discovered Doctor Who New York in 2007, and soon recognized two familiar faces from my teen years and the Gallifrey Embassy pledge drives. Ken Deep and Louis Trapani, when attending a DWI pub meet one night. They had branched from their long-running Doctor Who fan community to create the now internationally known Doctor Who Podshock, where you'll listen to this now, the first podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who. They recruited Doctor Who fan from across the pond in the UK, James Norton. James is a brilliant host alongside Ken and Lewis, but however, I only know him from, the, from Podshock and do not believe he played a role in the early days of the Gallifrey Embassy. Yet, I could be wrong. However, the sentimental childhood connection to and recognition of Ken and Lewis of the Gallifrey Embassy. I immediately subscribed to their podcast via iTunes and caught up on back and current episodes. In 2008, I decided I learned that you could support Doctor Who Podshock by subscribing for $5 a month. I will cite a few of the perks of subscription here, but on my blog you can click and or you actually go to podshock.net and find out all the details and every little perk of, and there's a lot of perks of becoming a supporting subscriber. Service since my $5 a month has been well spent. Plus, I have a, ho- a Podshock hoodie and t-shirt I bought was money well spent. Why do you ask? My first experience with the extra content that only subscribers get was a 10 Doctor special. This is a two-part, fantastically brilliant show putting together all the interviews Ken, Lewis, and James conducted over the years, which each, which each of the remaining actors that they've encountered that to have portrayed the Doctor in his various incarnations. I cannot give the actual content enough praise, and if that were not enough, subscribers get special preference to participate when Doctor Who Podshock conducts their live shows during the regular series order of Doctor Who. Let me just mention that also one of the recent episodes was the Gallifrey Embassy meetup for the 25th anniversary in November with the interview conducted by Ken Deep with Daphne Ashbrook. Fantastic, brilliant stuff. Even though I was there live, I listened to it again, and it was just incredible. As they, they With the uh, regular series run of Doctor Who, they do live shows, as they will be doing for the upcoming second series of the Matt Smith era of Doctor Who. However, I'd like to backtrack on another reason I will continue to offer my $5 a month for Doctor Who Podshock. In 2009, I suffered a concussion. Enough of a concussion for me to have been out of work and on medical leave from my New York City job for eight weeks. During that time, I had a hard time focusing on reading a book or even working on the manuscript for our book, The Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who. By the way, they did a live show from our book launch event in May 2010, see episode uh, 207, 
plus episode 200 where uh, Graham Sheridan, the second doctor on on Twitter and blogger for the Gallifreyan Embassy uh, and host of the Doctor Who parody podcast, uh, he reviews the book. I was in bad shape, so most of the time I rested and listened to music. Doctor Who audios or Doctor Who podcast via my iPod. I've told them both via their feedback line, and personally, that I'm indebted to them in part for my recovery from the concussion. I listen to two to three dozen episodes of Doctor Who Podshock, and do truly feel that the return of my cognitive faculties is in part or mostly due to listening to that show. With that said, in October 2010, I was laid off from my New York City job, and had been out of work up until two months ago. My wife Jessica and I, during this time of my unemployment, and her underemployment, Pushed aside bills like deferring student loans, canceling Netflix, and rescheduling utility payments. We were at times scrambled for public transportation money, even for food. What we did not do was cancel a $5 a month subscription to Dr. Podshock. For us, at times, $5 was money for the trainer and bus, perhaps a cup of coffee or a bagel. However, for what this show offers, plus my own childhood recollection of the hosts, plus their help while I healed from my concussion, plus their dedication to supporting our Doctor Who book, The Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who, I will always continue to pledge my followers to them. And as I continue at my new job and can offer more support, I shall do so. However, these are my own personal reasons for support and subscription. If you wish to participate in our live shows, which I think you should, uh, as subscribers get prefer- preferential treatment and discuss why you love Doctor Who so much and your thoughts on the latest series of Doctor Who airing April 23rd. It's only, what, f- f- less than a week away now? Plus get extra content, plus much more. Then if I have been unemployed, then if I have been unemployed, having been unemployed and in fin- financial distress can offer $5 a month, then I believe and hope you can do so as well. Aside from Doctor Who Podshock, Ken, Lewis, and James have gone on to create another show called The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. It's another brilliant show dedicated to all things sci-fi beyond Doctor Who, and their other outlet for Doctor Who News, The Sonic News Driver, hosted by Lewis Trapani, which I have a follow-up post on that as well. So, if that wasn't enough for my own personal recollection and some of the perks on there, please check out Podshock.net because they need your support now. And I'd like to encourage you all, if you listen to Doctor Who Podshock and don't pay your $5 to support them right now, which for whatever your reasons are, that's your personal reasons, I hold nothing against that, I implore you all to do so now. Uh, Get the extra content. Get preferential treatment in the lineup, in the phone calls for the live shows. You know, get discounts for Gallifrey and Embassy and Podshock events, like for their 25th anniversary last year and any other future events that they hold. Lots and lots of perks. Good guys, good show. Please do it. That's me signing off. Anthony Burge, take care and be well. Wow. Thank you, Anthony. I should note that this was completely unsolicited. We didn't ask Anthony to make such an endorsement. We are pleased and touched that he has, as well as others that have vocally expressed their commitment to the show by becoming a Pachak supporting subscriber. Now more than ever, we need your support. Not only will you be supporting the show, but you'll get extra content as well, as Anthony had mentioned in his piece right there. To learn how to become a supporting subscriber, simply go to pawchalk.net or arttrap.com and click on the top banner there towards the top of the page in regards to becoming a supporter. A big thank you to Anthony and a big thank you to all our supporters. Remember, we can't do the show without you. Please, if you haven't done so yet, please consider becoming a Dr. Who Pachuk supporting subscriber. 
Okay, and we're back with Doctor Who Podshock, and we've got a ton of audio feedback uh, this week. Uh, so we figured that we'd kick things off here with uh, Adam Pearson. And this this is uh, a bit of feedback that uh, it was taken a while for us to get around to. He, I think he left this way back in November. So uh, anyway, take it away, Adam. What do you have to say, mate? Hi, James, Lewis and Ken and everybody listening to Podshock. It's Adam here from the 20 Megabyte Doctor Who podcast. I just wanted to drop you a quick message in uh, agreement about your views on this um, throwaway line regarding the um, 507 regenerations. I don't think there's a problem with the Doctor having unlimited regenerations because it's been stated quite clearly that um, he can be killed. Uh, He only um, regenerates when he gets to the point where his death is a slow one in a way. Um, If he's blown up or if he's poisoned or has his head chopped off or whatever... um, he's going to die so the jeopardy is there for him and as long as that's the case i'm sure they'll be fine and uh thank you for another brilliant show bye-bye thank you he's referring to the sarah jane adventures story that the doctor appeared in yeah death of a doctor yeah um because there was this whole scene where he sort of uh, classically we'd already sort of expect the doctor to have 13 lives um that's what had always been alluded to in the classic because series. he had twelve regenerations. He was limited to, you know. Yes, so therefore thirteen sort mm-hmm. of thirteen lives as a result. Um, but they kind of blew that out of the water. Russell T Davies did with the the last uh, uh, series of Sarah Jane when they were they were talking about this and with the, the opening. Well, it wasn't the opening uh, part of uh, story, was it? But. They they were talking. Uh, they had Matt Smith on board, and he gave several throwaway lines as to how many times he could regenerate. See, I, I was more than my theory thought. is that it's it's the Time Lords that sort of cap the regenerations themselves, and now that the Time Lords are no longer around, gone, yeah. the, that cap is lifted because they were able to grant the Master another set of regenerations. So it's it's not biologically yeah, it limited. It's something they, yeah. that it seems to be like an artificial limitation on on their behalf to kind of control, you know, so no one you know lives forever. I guess lives too long, control the Time Lord population. Yeah, but anyway, I mean. I think that, that that historically they set that limit on it because they figured, you know, it's, the show had been going a long time uh, when they stated this in the classic series, but I don't think anybody envisaged it really going on for as long as it has done, or indeed being as popular as it, consistently popular as it has been. I mean, now there's probably more Doctor Who fans than there ever has been before, um, particularly with it you know, making huge strides in in America and, and around the world. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they just thought we'll we'll set that number because we'll never be we'll never still be doing this then. <laughs> um, but and it's, it's science fiction, popular, so then, anything's well, possible. So, yeah, they'll find ways around it, won't mm-hmm. they? All right. Well, uh, next is Anne Gret from Germany. Hello, guys. This is Anne Gret from Germany, and. I'm sending in this little audio feedback to let you know a bit about my Doctor Who fan experience and how I got uh, hooked on the show. It must have been over one and a half years ago that a friend um, wanted to convince me that the show is something I'd enjoy too. And so she came over and showed me two episodes. It was the Silence in the Library two-parter. 
and um, although I enjoyed watching it, I wasn't really sure what to make of it all. There was this uh, guy jumping around, looking rather cute, but I didn't understand half of what he was saying because he was talking so fast. And most of the story didn't make sense to me. I, I didn't really understand what it, it was all about with Donna and, and why did she travel with this guy. And I don't know. I just wasn't convinced, really. And I had uh, some friends on Twitter and also some real-life friends who kept going on about uh, this show, and I was kind of sad because I thought, well, why, why don't I get it? And then this friend left some DVDs uh, for me to watch on my own, and those were the end of uh, season two with Rose leaving, and there was also this episode Fear Her, which was kind of really dull, and I was convinced that the show simply wasn't for me, and that's that. And it really took me over a year, it was uh, shortly after my graduation, in fact, that I decided to give it one more try. And then I looked it up on the internet and discovered, oh my god, it's going back to the 60s, how will I ever be able to catch up until the, the, the new series? But my friend assured me that it's okay to start with uh, with Chris Eccleston and I won't miss anything. And I, so I did that. And then all of a sudden I kind of got it. You know, there was this guy who was able to travel through space and time. And it was all very snarky and funny and I don't know. Beats me why I didn't see it before. So anyway... From that point on, I was kind of got obsessed uh, or, you know, addicted, how it is. So it's good things, you always get addicted uh, to it. I couldn't stop watching it, so uh, some days I w would watch uh, three or four episodes uh, in one go. And I wanted to find out more about the history, and uh, so I looked for podcasts, and that's how I found you guys, and yeah. I started listening to the very first podcast, uh, and I'm up to episode 40 now. So, and all that in one and a half months, maybe. Um, yeah, I'm now like in the, at the end of series four. I'm still dreading David Tennant to leave because he has really, I've really uh, grown very fond of him. Um, yeah. But I've been told it's always like that, and you'll uh, enjoy the new Doctor just as much as your old one. So I'm not too uh, scared to see him leave, but, well, you know how it is. Um, well, I just wanted to, to um, share with you what an amazing time it has been learning so much about canon and fandom and uh, all the amazing stories that are being told in this universe. And I've uh, listened to many of the audiobooks and also watched uh, Torchwood, of course, and Sarah Jane Adventures just to get everything, just to uh, not to miss one single um, story. So, and it's been great to discover uh, the, the 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 other work the actors uh, did before and after. Their appearances on the shows, and recently I've discovered Life on Mars with John Sim, and that's it's amazing.
watch that if you haven't already. Um, yeah, and of course the David Tennant uh, things he did, Single Father, which was really gut-wrenching, and Secret Smile, where he was a creepy stalker in Casanova, and I'm just so grateful to my friend that she kept insisting that this is something I would enjoy, and only probably in hindsight, I would say that uh, she should have showed me the episode Blink, which I think is a very good episode to get someone who's never seen an Doctor Who episode before to get them hooked. So maybe it would have been quicker if uh, she'd shown me that, but uh, never mind. All, all went well in the end. So yeah, and, uh, yeah, and I'm grateful to you guys who made uh, this experience all the better by providing me with uh, all the vital information about uh, about Doctor Who and uh, all the while being so funny and entertaining. So keep up the good work and um, thank you and bye. Oh, thank you. Cheers, I'm glad thank that you. we yeah I'm glad that we can be of of help and uh, I, we talked a little bit about it in uh, earlier on the show certainly Ken did that. Maybe starting off at n- uh, number one and, and working your way through <laughs> yeah. might be a little bit dull, but you know. By the time she gets to this episode, <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, I heard my feedback. Oh, that was three years ago. <laughs> but you know what? One of the things that I enjoy, uh, one of the things I enjoy most about uh, being a Doctor Who fan and, and getting new people involved in the show is watching their experience because a lot of times you. Uh, you relive your own sense of discovery mm-hmm. of the show through other people. Yeah. So if you're sitting watching um, Spearhead from Space with someone for their first time, it's not like it's the 400th time I've watched it. It's their first time watching it, and it's it's an entirely different perspective. That's part of the fun of of Doctor Who, or, or for that matter, just about any fandom. But we're, we're of course relating it to Doctor Who. Is that the fun is bringing somebody new on board and watching their discovery of the show it could be so much fun definitely absolutely and you can jump in anytime i was just uh communicating with someone on instagram last night about doctor who and he hadn't seen it and i said to him you know you can just don't you know because sometimes you say sometimes people see that oh it has this long history 47 years i got to start at the beginning and i just don't have the time and it's not like that you could just jump in anytime you like and you know catch up you know if you like at any time but you don't have to you know, it, it's a format that's open to. You don't have to have the past history of every episode. You don't need to know yes, all that. That's you the just great jump thing in any time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, I emailed um, Anna to, to just to say thank you ever so much for the great the great audio feedback, and um, you know, I, I can't say I blame her really. To be honest, in terms of you know being turned off to Doctor Who. Uh, if, if the first episode that she saw was Fear Her or one of the first episodes mm-hmm. that she saw was Fear Her because that's just just terrible. And, and, and after emailing her, she says that she's going to... She'll listen into the uh, the latest episodes, hopefully to hear out for us commenting on it. So I just want to say, you know, thanks ever so much again for sending us some great audio feedback. Yes. Um, it's great to hear new fans people getting into the show because it always takes us back to when we first got into Doctor mm-hmm. Who and how how we got started with this incredible 
mythology and and universe and all the rest of it so yeah and as she said there's so many ancillary stuff as well but between torchwood and now it's origin adventures and there's there's so much to consume out there so you got you know plenty of stuff there all right well let's get on with uh, more feedback this is from matt sharp hey guys i really enjoy listening to your show i got stopped in my tracks while listening to your last podcast i had to scream no out loud when you all agreed that you thought that the pilot episode of An Unearthly Child was canon. I say it isn't. It was not made for broadcast and was more of a technical run-through. The producers decided to edit out the reference to our favourite time travellers being from the 49th century, for good reason. I'm glad that the pilot exists and it is a valuable insight into the early production of Doctor Who. I admit that canon is a very personal thing to every Doctor Who fan. While I don't consider the pilot as canon, I do consider Sharda, as well as the TV movie and all its references. But that's the joy of being a Doctor Who, Doctor Who fan. We're all free to make up our own minds. Well, I can't wait until the new series starts. It looks fantastic from all the trails and trailers, etc. I'm going to have to say it, but often quoted, it is a great time to be a Doctor Who fan. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you, Matt. And, yeah, thanks, uh, mate. And, and, and Matt makes a good point that mm-hmm. it is—it's—it's it's entirely personal. Personal, yes, I agree. Um, but it was asked, you know, about our opinion on it, and, and we all said that we thought it was canon, and I, and I agree about Shada, and I 100% agree about the. The '96 movie. Uh, you, there are some people who consider the two Cushing movies to somehow be canon. I mean, I, that is a kind of a stretch for me, but there are people who do. So, well, in an alternate good. universe, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but as Ken said, it's it's very personal, and I think everyone's um, canon. The same is, goes with the Big Finish stuff. You know, yeah. there are people mm-hmm. who consider that part of the overall canon. There are other people who don't because they say only televised things are canon. It's for each yeah. fan. I, I have several tiers of canon. So you, there's like the first tier, which is like the television series, and then you know other stuff, ancillary stuff. But the television always supersedes that if need be, you know, yeah. whatever. But it's all personal. All right. Well, let's uh, continue on. Next up, uh, piece of feedback. It relates to our last episode, our review of Black Orchid. This is Daisy. Hey guys, this is Daisy. I just listened to your review of the Black Orchid. You know, when I heard you were reviewing my favorite Fifth Doctor app, I thought I was going to have to defend it once again. But no, Ken to the rescue. <laughs> wow, I never thought I'd find someone who feels the same way as I do about this story. I mean, the only thing I can add to what you said, Ken, is that this is the only episode that I have distinct memories of watching when I was a kid. Hence the warm fuzzies for me. Uh, and I have to add that, you know, I always loved the way Adric was such a typical boy in this one, stuffing his face through the whole thing. Just like the guys I used to hang out with at the time, led by their stomachs. So anyway, yeah, I totally agree with Ken on this one. Four Tardis groans. Cheers. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Daisy. And our stomachs aren't the only thing that lead our way. <laughs> <laughs> That's another show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think it's. Um, I thank you, Daisy. I mean, I think there are people that champion this this story, and um, you know, I I was sort of just Me. in the middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. I, everybody has their own opinion, as as we saying, it's a very personal thing, Doctor Who. Okay, so uh, then we'll continue on, and this is um, 
Dr. Phil? Not that doctor. <laughs> He's not Dr. Phil. And, and James, this is Dr. Phil, the Adventures in Time, Space, and Music podcast, saying hello and just wanting to offer some feedback on feedback in your last episode. Well, anyway, um, I have to say that considering the negativity of the free uh, feedback that was directed towards Lewis, I'm always impressed by how well you gentlemen take feedback, both positive and negative, in stride. And um, I always think that it's um, always telling about the, about how people take criticism when um, when you do it on a podcast like that. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, but just I was to say I was very impressed by that, and that you always are very respectful of various points of views. And I would really appreciate if we could have that sort of balance in U.S. politics right now. But anyway, um, um, nonetheless, keep up the great work on the show. You gentlemen are always fun to listen to. And um, I'm glad you had such a great time at Gallifrey. And I hope to see uh, Ken again at Chicago Tardis, um, if not um, several of you gentlemen. So all the best, and we'll be in touch. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep, Cheers, uh, that's fella. my plan to be back at uh, Chicago Tardis and, and seeing Doctor Phil. That Doctor Phil, uh, <laughs> Doctor Phil, no. Well, and uh, maybe Congress should be listening to Doctor Upachak and they'll get some. Nah, <laughs> and, and handling feedback. Yes, well, you don't see off the air is us smashing TVs and throwing things out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Just as well. <laughs> well, they thank what? Didn't like Black Orchid. Denebium slime devil, you. All right. Well, let's uh, continue on. And next is uh, D Scott seven fifty, who we haven't heard in a while, but he used to. We haven't, but he's he's goes back to the the early days. <laughs> early early days. This is Scott McCown from Tulsa, but I don't feel you guys are too long. I think you guys are just right. And for the dude that decided to cancel subscription, nuts to him. He's missing out on the great, great show. And you're right. Adric just seemed to lounge around, stuffing his face. But I have to say, Nissa didn't look, really look quite great. She's one of my two favorite companions. Once again, this is Scott McCallum from Tulsa, a.k.a. The Blind Dyslexic, saying... Ciao for now. And thank you, Scott. And Scott, actually, you reminded me that um, June 24th, 25th, and 26th, 2011, in, um, in is it Tulsa? I'm going to check where Trek Expo is. You probably already know that because you're a, you're a um, Oklahoma homan. Is that how you? That be what you say? I think that sounds right. Somebody, I don't, just don't want anybody coming back and saying no. Yeah, in Tulsa, actually, a Trek Expo in, in Tulsa. Daphne Ashbrook is one of the guests this year. Fantastic. They have a huge guest list of Star Trek guests, and this year a bunch of Buck Rogers guests. And um, and Daphne is the the first Doctor Who guest they've had, I I think, in a while. Okay. And I hear rumors that there might be one or two others added. So, pretty cool. Yeah, very She's, cool. She qualifies as a Star Trek guest, too, but it's mm-hmm. just kind of cool that there's a Doctor Who guest in Tulsa. So for our friends in Oklahoma. Two for the price of one. Yeah, yes. Quite right. Quite right. 
We, uh, DScott750 actually sent us uh, an email following uh, the message. He said, uh, after doing the voice message, I realised I'd forgotten to say a couple of things. Number one, you guys commented about Dalek episodes and how they seem to have one each season. Uh, I'm just, it's not like the original series in Davros. 24 episode after Genesis of the Daleks. Ooh, cool Davros. 48 episodes after Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, Davros rolling eyes, big surprise. 78 episode after Genesis of the Daleks. 5, 4, 3, damn, 15 seconds off. I'm not quite sure what that means, but there we are. <laughs> Number two, got the latest issue of Doctor Who magazine. 433. I was hoping to get the River Song cover. Uh, the Time Lords must have heard me on Charter. I'll tell you about that later. But I got I got the issue anyway. And number three, I edited the 96 movie. If you'd like to see what I did, click the links below. When I initially did it, I didn't realise I made it as, as nip stroke tux to the master. Nor the same number of kidnapping victims equaling the same number of doctors. So he's, he's put a link there. And if, if you're listening to the enhanced podcast, I'm sure Lewis will put in a, a link uh, in the usual little place so that you can mm. click on it and see what it's about. Anyway, he says, keep up the great job. Uh, Scott from Tulsa. There you go. Very good. Yeah, very good indeed. And I guess that I don't think we've got any more feedback, have we, gentlemen? I think that rounds out the feedback for this episode. Yeah. So, so as always, uh, just to repeat again, if you want to send us your voicemail, you can just call the Doctor Who Podshock public call box at 206-984-3543. You could also record your audio feedback and just email it to feedback at net, and that works with just regular email as well. So, Yeah, quite. So we'd like to thank uh, Anthony and Jessica yet again for coming on board today. And, yes. Uh, telling us a bit about their experiences at the live screening. Mm. We were there through your, through your eyes, so... Anthony, Jesse, are you still with us? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't hear us. We just said a pleasure to do so. Oh, all right. Lovely. Okay. Thank you. I, I know you guys hadn't had sleep this week, so I thought maybe, you know, you took this opportunity while you're on Dr. Upadra <laughs> to catch some Zs. <laughs> I slept uh, Tuesday for a week, both slept for about, what, 10 hours? Uh, 14. Oh, 14. Wow. She's saying 14. Okay, well, there you go. Well, you guys were up for like 24 hours or more, more than that. You were probably up for 36 hours before that. Yeah, uh, I actually, that Sunday, got off of work Sunday morning at 7 a.m., came home and stayed up and put all my gear together, expecting to bring my remote control Dalek and Davros and stuff. But then, you know, went to bed and got up around 7.30 that evening, and then I was out the door by 8.30. Well, being that there was no place to put all the stuff, maybe it was good that you didn't have a chance to bring all... Yeah, know, there everything. wasn't very much room for it, and plus, when it got a little crazy and, you know, everybody's saying that everybody's camping out, I just grabbed what I... the basics and just left. All right, well, we appreciate you being there and reporting on our behalf, and we much appreciate it for that. Anytime, be of service. Happy to be of service. And thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that wraps things up for another Exciting. sexy edition of Doctor Who Podshock. Mm -hmm. Unless there's any other announcements that we needed to make. I think that, that covers it for this episode. Mm. Wonderful. Well, thanks ever so much, guys, and uh, we'll hear you next time on Doctor Who Podshock. Yeah, cheers, everyone. Cheers. 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 You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fanrun org. 
Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Pachak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Pachak theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. Listen, there are no measurements in infinity. You humans have got such limited little minds. I didn't know why I like you so much. Because you have such good taste. That's true. That's very true.